Farrell Southern Housewife, and welcome to the podcast. This little corner of the internet is where we talk about being neurodivergent, being a neurodivergent parent to neurodivergent kids, unconventional homeschooling, bringing a witchy touch to your life, and all that that entails. So, grab a drink, or a snack, or your to-do list and some headphones, and let's get started. So, hello. Today, we're going to talk about feral homeschooling. And I've done a couple of TikToks on this. I don't have enough followers yet over on TikTok to make the playlists. And I think that's why I got discouraged because I kept losing the feral homeschooling videos I was doing. But anyway, uh... I always briefly touch on it, but I haven't really given you guys the full picture of everything. So we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about how I started, what I learned, and how I ended up where I am now. So I had my first kid in 2007. And... Just like my mama had taught me, there's always something fun to learn at the library. Now, as much as I tried my best when she was younger, my beans didn't get most of that from me until she was about three or four, um, simply because postpartum had wrecked me so bad that I don't even remember most of the time when she was little. But as she started to get older and we were doing all the fun talking and walking and discovering the world, I just kind of followed her lead. You know, she really liked marine biology and animals, so we watched Octonauts and we read books and we made up stories and we played our games. And I didn't realize what I was doing was game schooling, unschooling, any of that. When she started preschool... Or actually, no, it was 4K. She didn't go to a preschool because you have to pay for that out here. Um, Unless you go to daycare. And a lot of daycares out here are also preschools. But when she started going to 4K at the public school, because at that time I worked quite a bit. I was working in the nursing home. And uh, she was already very much ahead of her peers, which... I mean, she loved learning, so I just kept feeding her whatever she wanted to learn. But she was a little bit bossy and kept trying to give the other kids the answers so they could move on to something else. And the kids kind of started hating that. (laughs) Big red flag right there. I don't know how I missed it. But anyway, that was a permanent theme, especially in the younger years. Like, she had some friends... And we did Girl Scouts, and we had church at the time, so we did that every so often. But for the most part, she was just kind of like, mm, yeah. She she was always very ahead of her peers in school. And over the summer, I would try to find fun ways to learn new things. Like anything she was interested in. Or I think one summer we were trying to learn Portuguese, but it was really hard. And we did some basics to talk to uh, Grandma and Grandpa, but it didn't... It didn't really stick. So that was with her. And then with Izzy, 
when she was born, um, I had just started college because I went back to school. And I was working on that while she was little. So when she got to be about two, it was a lot of like everything Minnie Mouse. So we did like very basic shape sorting games. I got tablets and stuff so I could still work. And she was like next to me or in my lap on her tablet. And we were kind of bonding that way. And then as she got older, it was the same. We would go and find stories and anything she was interested in is what we would learn. And let me tell you, that child from a young, young age has always been very, very interested in like being a proper lady and tea parties and fairy tales and princesses and all of that. So it was pretty easy to help her learn and follow her interests. Same goes for Maggie. Uh, I noticed a few things were a little bit different, but I just kept doing the same thing with her. The only thing that was really a problem was that she was nonverbal. And so, you know, she learned mama, dada, um, and sissy for Beans and Izzy, but then she just stopped talking altogether. So a lot more of my focus with that was trying to figure out what was going on and also just keep her safe because she was a very reactive and apparently that's like a really big red flag. That is a really big red flag for autism, but we could not get into the programs yet to have her seen. We were just kind of, the doctors had told us, just wait it out. So we did what we could for the basics for kids. Uh, lots of blues clues. Lots of blues clues. That's still her favorite show. So she, we were getting the interaction together, but her, you know, hers was a little bit harder. Anyway, fast forward this a little bit more. Beans is now doing great. She's super stressed out about school though all the time because she expects herself to get perfect grades. She's got the, the gifted kid downfall and I never set that expectation for her, but she did for herself. And I think that was, how do you, how do you fix that? Like my parents were always like, you need to make all A's and stuff so you can get, you know, you can get into a good school and stuff. I just want them to be happy and not burn out because I was so burnt out in high school. But anyway, by the time Izzy got to 4K, Delilah was already, like, they were talking about skipping grades and she was already testing ahead. Her teachers were basically just letting her do what she wanted in class and read as much as she want, work ahead packets, things like that, because she would finish with her work. So she was already getting to that borderline cranky board, but she was acting out at home because she felt like she couldn't do that at school, you know? It was like reverse class clown moment. And Izzy, when she started going, she hated the school bus. She hated everything. She loved getting dressed up. She loved people seeing her dress up. She would put on her makeup. She would put on her dresses, every sparkly outfit you could find. But the minute that bus would come, she'd start scream crying. She'd be on that bus and she'd just be bawling. I thought, is somebody bullying my kid? Nope, nope. The first parent-teacher conference that we had turned out that uh, her teacher said she was the poster child for anxiety. And she wasn't sure if she would ever grow out of it. Because most kids by the first quarter have grown out of that anxiety and she did not. She spent half of her day easily in like the safe corner where the beanbag chairs and stuffies and her special blankie and everything were. Well, shit. I 
figured it had something to do with like the tornado drills and the fire drills and the shooter drills. Those three things would set any kid off, but she never recovered from it. We had chronic nightmares and everything. And I was like, all right, if she doesn't get any better with the first half of kindergarten, I'm pulling her out of school and we're going to figure out something. Now I started staying home uh, after having Maggie. So that was 2017 and Izzy was still like little. So I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and I'm like, I can definitely do school for her. That's not a problem. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I was I was scared, and at the time, you know, my husband wasn't really on board because he's like, oh, she needs socialization, socialization, and I'm like, you're not expected to socialize except at lunch and at recess. Like, what socialization are you talking about, my dude? But I was trying to be on a team, and he was understanding, and he was like, well, let's see what happens. She'll probably grow out of it in kindergarten. So once again, I was subjecting her to mental torture. (laughs) And when Christmas time came, she was still kind of iffy. She was only spending, according to her teacher, about an hour or so a day upset, but was getting better slowly. I was like, Jesus, I don't know if she will make it through the year so maybe I should look I started looking into like homeschooling stuff and like what I could do to further help her you know I very much wanted them to be balanced kiddos I wanted them to be emotionally supported and mentally supported I just wanted us to all have a good time and then that spring was 2020 and I remember seeing something in the headlines about a strange flu going around China and I was like this was before it was officially released it was COVID it was like some little blip um and I want to think it was January or February like the end of January beginning of February something like that I was like all right well if this comes and makes flu season now in the summer we're just gonna get books and stuff I, I have a weird inkling feeling So I got all kinds of books and all kinds of school books and all kinds of, like, the library was like, why do you have 80 books? Because our library doesn't have a limit. And I was like, I'm just, I'm preparing. So, (laughs) so we sat down and we had all those books and I got coloring books and crayons. I'm like, all right, so this will be about a week or so, maybe. We'll just see what happens. And everybody thought I was nuts. I started looking more into homeschooling stuff and I'm like, "Mm, I have a feeling. I always have a no-win of some sort. That that falls into the witchy stuff. I always have a no-win of some sort. It sucks most of the time, but I digress. And I felt like we were just on the right path at the right time to start homeschooling. And then everybody came home and virtual schooling started. Well, Izzy didn't necessarily have virtual school. She had like a Zoom meeting once a week and then um, we did packets at home. And those packets, she just zoomed right through them. She was done with them. She was done with most of them in like three weeks. I'm not going to force the kid to slow down. If she wants to do it, if she has a good time, then do it. But when the time came for us to go back to school, I was like, no, we're going to do stuff at home. Is Do you guys have an online program or anything? So both Beans and Izzy stayed home and did the online program. And they had a program through a cellist at our school. And it's not terrible. It's just it didn't fit the way we learned. Izzy would sit down and I'd set a timer and I'd say, you know, we'd pick a subject and she'd listen to the video and I'd check in with her because at this time Maggie was absolutely apeshit 
most of the time. And she was very, it was very hard to meet her where she was without it being violent or disruptive or something. It was just a difficult time on that end. So essentially, this is where I realized I was failing her because Maggie couldn't get support. Izzy couldn't get support. I still didn't know what I was doing. And it felt like, now that I look back on it, that was my sink or swim moment. Izzy finished the first grade curriculum by Christmas. And I didn't realize, because they were encouraging us to spend like an hour or two a day on the curriculum, but that curriculum for that age was really only set up for like 20 to 30 minutes a day. So she finished everything by Christmas, you know? If she was bored, I'd say, okay, do you want to do some schoolwork? Sure, we'll do schoolwork, you know? And they were like, oh, go to second grade. So we tried to go to second grade, and she got so frustrated because all of a sudden she couldn't remember how to do anything. So that tells me she learned how to do the assignment for the test at the end of the video and then just kept going. Nothing actually stuck. Her learning wasn't there. The way she needed to be taught and the way that she learned, it was completely missed. So we're going to fast forward to the end of 2020 and I find out that I am pregnant and we are going to start this new year with something different. I essentially, I was on Zoom calls with her teacher because she was still enrolled, you know, and I was like, I'm just, I think we're just going to do this. So we were doing things on like Khan Academy Kids and I was trying to do stuff like her favorite things with the library, her book themes and stuff. We were reading books together and doing deeper dives, which that's an amazing resource, by the way. You can get, if your kids love to read, take the book they're reading and like find some themes in the book and then go on deeper dives with that. That's an amazing way to look at it. Um, I think Bookshark does something similar to that. So after after all, all of it was said and done, I got this coupon around the spring slump, the spring, the, the spring break slump. And I realized that everyone was struggling with the setup we had. So I got this coupon for my academy and it was really good, but I think the way that, that Izzy's age wasn't quite ready for it. She did great with the work but she, like, there's newspapers and chat rooms and all that fun stuff. There's, like, a community on there, and it's really great. But she wasn't quite there yet or computer savvy enough, no matter how much I was trying to teach and help her. So she was just digging the fact that at the end of the day, she could create outfits for her avatar. That was what she loved the most. So, again, try and fail. And it was something that wasn't working for us. So in May... Uh, 2021 we were in therapy with Maggie making progress like three steps forward and four steps back though <laughs> so things were really working and I was looking at how am I gonna homeschool Maggie and how am I gonna homeschool Izzy and Maggie at the same time because we were getting about that point and then Delilah on top of it, I found out she wasn't very good at self-led she actually needed someone to keep her in line she, her ADHD was really starting to get, I say really starting to get bad. She's always had ADHD, but her coping mechanisms and the way that she was able to be kept in line and on focus 
and on task at school was no longer there at home. So she was struggling, you know. A lot of people who are neurodivergent can thrive in the public school system with the rigidity of the scheduling and the expectations. Like, I was amazing at school. I was bored at school, but I was amazing at it because my day had structure. We did A, we did B, we did C, we went home. And that was it. That was my day. It was great. Now, I'm getting ready to go into the summer, and I'm like, all right, how am I going to do this? I'm about to have a new baby. And I did. I had a baby at the end of July. I was like, all right, we're going to do some unschooling. I'm going to take everything out. I'm going to figure out how everything is going, and I'm going to learn on my own how to teach my kids. So we did like this really weird de-schooling, unschooling, where I just took everything that we had learned and all the expectations that we were doing, and I just threw them out the damn window. I mean, I had started doing that before. Like, when we hit that spring break slump, I was like, fuck it, we're not doing any more school. We're just going to read and watch movies, and we're going to have a good time, and we're going to learn how to be with one another, how to listen. I'm going to do some work on myself. We're going to work together, because something's not meshing, and I know we can do this. Obviously, we still did some work. Like, Khan Academy was amazing, and we kept doing that. But all of that aside, we, uh... We just let it go. And then it was right before Boo was here, actually, that I found this amazing program. Because, as an aside, when I first started looking at homeschool and stuff, I was like, oh my God, Charlotte Mason. Charlotte Mason, Charlotte Mason. Look at how wonderful and organized and, you know, all your ducks are in a row and how calm and beautiful and wonderful and wondrous everything is this is gonna be amazing and then I realized that we are too wild for that even on our best days and our most well-behaved days we are still loud and rambunctious and we knock things over and we are not dainty and gentle we are messy and we like to get a little crazy and that's okay so as much as Pinterest was drawing me in with Charlotte Mason this and Charlotte Mason that I was like, well, how am I going to bring wonder to my girls' homeschooling? Because I feel like just sitting them down in front of a book is killing their spirit. And poor Izzy was so resistant to reading. She stopped reading completely. She threw a fit every time we had to do writing. I was just trying and struggling to meet her where she was. So I found this. I found more information on Waldorf and uh, Rudolf Steiner and how you teach the whole child and the spirit of the child. And I was like, oh, this is it. Not only is this amazing, but I can make this witchy. (laughs) I was like, ah, fairy tales? We're gonna learn with fairy tales? Absolutely. We're gonna learn based on what the child is feeling and how they are emotionally and what they're capable of at that time. That's what I'm talking about. Meeting your child where they're at. Being emotionally available and understanding them. But let me fucking tell I had to do so much inner work. Now, I found Waldorf Essentials by Melissa Nielsen. And they have really good um, coupons. And when we get taxes, that's what I use. When her coupons come out, we set aside money from our taxes and we get that curriculum. And then I take it and I tweak it for us. 
Now that doesn't mean I completely rewrite it because Melissa is brilliant. Her planner is the only planner I will ever use again, Planning for Peace. It is the most amazing and on-task planner and thorough planner because not only is it helping me keep my homeschool done, it's actually helping me keep my house kind of in order a little bit better so that I'm not screaming every day. Who am I fucking kidding? I'm still screaming every day. I'm not screaming as much every day. I'll, I'll say it that way. But we started implementing the fairy tales and the days of the week and circle time in the morning. And our circle time wasn't let's sit down and have a book and talk about it. We did dancing. We did songs. We did hand movements. We wiggled our bodies. Sometimes we did yoga. Sometimes we did jumping jacks. It didn't matter. We were all together. We were doing being super goofy and silly together. And then after that, we would sit down and read a book. Or after that, we would sit down and we'd talk about a story for the day. And doing it that way and implementing that movement, which was encouraged with Waldorf, movement is very encouraged. Holy shit. I knew I had found it. So we started implementing smaller Waldorfs. (laughs) I'm keeping that in there. Smaller Waldorf ideals. And then we started to make it a little witchy. So when I was looking through the year, I noticed that a lot of the liturgical uh, ceremonies like Mikkelmas and Candlemas and stuff like that were aligned with the Wheel of the Year holidays. And I was like, I wonder how I can make this suit me. And that's when I started working on this stuff for the homeschool. I started making notes. I started introducing it to my kiddos. I started talking about, you know, the different holidays and how we celebrated them and why they were important. And I feel like a lot of things that I do now is partly the unschooling because I will always let them follow what they are dreaming about while also being influenced by Waldorf because a lot of what they stand for and a lot of what the ideals are behind it are amazing and actually help both the autism in me and Maggie and then the ADHD in all of us. It really, really does between what the dates are for your curriculum. You know, you can move things around as you need to and they encourage it. You know, they encourage you to take time and take breaks. So it's an amazing resource and it taught me how to be more flexible with my kids but also how to tweak and move things around with how I needed to present things to them. Because like, oh, wait, I just saw a whole deer go running out my backyard. Oh, man. I'm recording on my back porch. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) So other parts that I've started implementing with that are little like, witchy books. So like with Maggie, we were doing Little Witch Hazel and we were reading for every equinox, we would read the sections. So like the spring section would be spring equinox and then the summer section would be the summer equinox. And we would go and we'd explore those sections. And then there's another set of books. It's like the, uh, the root children. I'm trying to remember. It is an old, old book. 
but the basic one that we start with is the root children where the children come up from the underneath the ground and they paint all the bugs and the flowers for spring like we do uh, that author's series of books for the equinox and then we also put in other things like um, I know there is Brother Wolf and Sister Sparrow really helped me, especially with some of the saints and, le- you know, leaning into those stories and then showing them how that applies to what we're doing now. Um, the other one is the Grimm's Fairy Tales, obviously. Um, let's see... I also really loved Wild Things, which is like a hundred things to do outside. And they talk about like how to make dragon's blood with berries, but they're like, make sure that a grown-up knows which berries are okay to touch and crush. Like, um, the Wildcraft game, we do that a lot, especially in springtime. Uh, well, springtime here in Wisconsin is, uh, it's like a week in April, you know? It's not, <laughs> it's not great, but... When things start to get warmer and feel like spring and after the spring equinox started, we start doing stuff like that. We start our garden, which is big in Waldorf. We start, um, we also do a lot of cooking together and we try, meaning I try to have a little less control and a little more open-mindedness in the kitchen because that's where a lot of our learning comes from too, is measuring and being together and bonding in the kitchen. And now I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh my god, this is all great. But you have four children. How are you getting anything done? Well, there's a few things I need to tell you. First of all, I have an expectation for myself. But I have to lower that expectation. I am not going to ruin my children. And you're not going to ruin yours. Unless you, you know, keep them in an eternal bubble and never let them learn anything but VeggieTales songs. In which case, we might have to have a sit-down. The other thing is, don't fight them, meet them. So, like I said, Izzy had given up reading and writing completely. I decided instead of keeping pushing her and making her hate reading, because reading is amazing, we just went to the library one day and I said, go find something. Just don't get the step one books. If I knew she wasn't struggling to read. She had the ability to read. But she didn't like the task of reading. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I have the ability to do the dishes, but I hate doing the dishes. Do you know what I'm saying? And she found graphic novels. And instead of being like, no, you can't do graphic novels, I was like, heck yeah. Get like four or five of them. So graphic novels brought her back to reading. Later on, I introduced her to audiobooks. We'd check out the physical book and then turn on the audiobook and uh, it really helped her to understand and follow along in the book. So she likes reading now and can read on her own a good bit. Same with writing. You know, I sat down and we broke it down way down. We went back to a lot of fundamentals because I noticed where she was slipping. And we went all the way back. And that's the third part. Even if you feel like they are behind. It is not a matter of, this is good enough and pass them on. You can take the time and spend the time to develop a mastery of something before you say, okay, that's good, we can go on to something else. 
You don't have to meet all the requirements before a state test. You don't have to make sure that they can do all their multiplication skills by the second grade. That's not on you. If your child is truly struggling, there are plenty of resources. There's tutors and uh, there's homeschool communities and things like that. And you can meet from there. Check for autism, ADHD, dyslexia, any other learning disabilities. There's always ways to help. But if it's just because they are slowly learning instead of being shoved, pushed fast, now, 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 like a lot of the public schools are doing, it's okay to take a step back and go slowly. It's okay to take a step back and start over. You thought they had mastered multiplication and they were doing great with it, so you took a month off and they've hit that slump and now you uh, you don't know what you're doing anymore and neither do they. That's okay. Start over. Not all the way over, but do review. Review can be one week, two weeks, three weeks, two months, six months, whatever. Whatever it is you guys have to do. Y'all are never behind. You're, there, There is no ahead or behind. Your child is exactly where they need to be. As long as you are putting forth the effort and not giving up on each other, you guys are where you need to be. And the last but not least is let them play. Even now to this day, even my 15-year-old loves to go play. She will resist it. She will tell me and roll my eye, or she'll roll her eyes and she'll tell me, uh-uh, I don't want to do this. But after about five minutes being outside, yeah, she does. She has a good time on the trampoline, playing, being goofy with her sisters, just having a good time. Play is important for learning and emotional regulation. There's only so much a book can do. Play can do so much more. That also includes playing with your kids. And that's one thing I hate doing. <laughs> As my autistic and ADHD self sits here and tries to teach my children how to play... I have to remind myself that they are children and they are also neurodivergent because, oh my God, they aren't doing it exactly my way and I'm going to lose my shit. But I have to give them grace like I give myself grace. And as bored as I am and I want to reach for that phone most of the time, just 10 minutes, one-on-one, two and three-on-one, having a small tea party, watching a show together, those are building those, you know, those actions are building the connections with the kids. And I'm noticing that they do better when I take those 10 and 15 minutes. It sounds dumb. It sounds crazy. And I know you're thinking, oh, but I already do that. No, but really. Like, put your phone in your room, close the door, and come back in. You're going to be bored out of your mind at first. We can do this. I promise. I still struggle with it. Being neurodivergent and teaching neurodivergent kids is difficult. Especially when the way I teach and learn is different from the way they teach. Or from the way they learn. And then last but not least. Please make sure you're following your state laws. (laughs) Unschooling can be done in almost every single state. Eclectic homeschooling can be done in almost every single state. Write down the days that you're in school. Write down what you're doing for the day. And I would say write down what you did versus what you are going to do. Because what happens if the stove catches on fire? God forbid, knock on some wood. That something catches on fire and you can't do anything for a little while. Well, guess what? You guys get a holiday. (laughs) So anyway, 
There's going to be a blog post out about this on feralsouthernhousewife.wordpress.com. And it's going to be basically the books that I've used in homeschooling and why I like them and like how I've used them. So some of the ones that were mentioned in the podcast today are going to be on that. Um, You can get most of them through the library too. Don't feel like you have to buy them. Just letting you know. And as usual, keep an eye out for me on TikTok. And we will see you around. Have a good one.